Hi, it's Joe, and I'm talking with Thomas Seth. He is the President and Chief Executive Officer of Connexum, and I've known him through the Medical Devices Group for a while. I've tried to get him to my conference. It hasn't worked yet, <laughs> but he did me one better and invited me to his conference, and I've never heard the term metabesity before. Can you tell me about it? Sure. Metabesity is a term that's coined by Connexum's executive chairman, uh, Zan Fleming, but it refers to a constellation of diseases uh, and conditions of chronic aging, uh, diabetes, obesity, um, cardiovascular and neurodegenerative diseases, uh, cancer, and the aging process itself. Emerging science in recent decades suggests that there may be common uh, mechanisms behind all of this, and if that's true, then there may be the possibility of common solutions. And uh, Metabesity is a conference that's dedicated to examining prevention, not just treatment, and uh, chronic, dis chronic diseases, not, not just acute diseases, and not just focus on individual diseases, but on the extension of uh, health span or the period of lifespan that's spent free of major diseases. It's a two-day conference. It's in Washington, D.C. And Correct. is this your second year? It's our second edition. Our inaugural edition was in London in October of 2017. If you look oh, at yeah. the, uh, the speaker roster, I think we've uh, uh, assembled a stellar collection of folks that includes a couple directors of uh, national institutes, uh, a couple directors of the FDA centers, the CEDAR and uh, CFSAN, or the Food uh, Safety and Applied Nutrition, as well as some of the top names in uh, geroscience and cancer and diabetes, and uh, folks from Big Pharma, Big Nutrition, emerging, you know, hot emerging companies, VCs. Yeah, to be sure, this is a very impressive list of speakers. Uh, tell me, um, the uh, have you? Uh, I, I meant to say, I think it was maybe four years ago. I had Bill Andrews and Liz. Um, her last name's escaping me at the moment. Um, and they're big into anti-aging, uh -huh. um, and um, Oh, um, it's been a while since I'm trying to think of the the term that is equivalent to like a shoestring tying together at the ends of a of a gene. You're thinking about telomeres, maybe? Thank you. That's it. So uh, Bill is dedicating his life to uh, extending them. Yes. And uh, are you familiar with his work? Sure. Um and in fact, Michael West, who's currently CEO of AgeX, but uh, he was the founder of Geron. I don't know if that may, may mean something to you, but several decades ago, they were the uh, pioneer in telomere research and uh, stem cells, embryonic stem cells. So uh, that's definitely, we are part of that uh, tribe, shall we say, looking huh? at ways to extend healthy aging. But uh, uh, we are not uh, coincident with, you know, uh, with all of the different approaches. Uh, people who are in the longevity movement, uh, scientifically speaking, look at a number of seven or eight pillars or hallmarks of aging. They look yes. at things like epigenetics and senescence and uh, folding and various other approaches. Uh, we're particularly focused because of the provenance of our, uh, of our founder and our co-chairs uh, from the dysmetabolism and the mitochondrial uh, dysfunctions. Uh, but these are all uh, ending up in the same place, which is to figure out how we can prevent or delay
chronic diseases. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Nir Barzilai, who's a head of uh, an aging institute at Albert Einstein, but he's a uh, prominent geroscientist. And uh, he and others go around evangelizing the message that of the geroscience hypothesis that it's not chronic diseases that that, that uh, cause biological aging. It's actually the other way around. Yes, that's not inconsistent with what Bill's message is. Oh, Absolutely. and it just occurred to me now, her name is Liz Parrish, P-A-R-R-I-S-H. Uh-huh. Are you familiar with her? Uh, the name rings a bell, but I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know uh, her work particularly. Um, she is the CEO of BioBiva Sciences, and I'd be happy to introduce you to either or both of them, if that's interesting for you. Sure. Um, uh, it looks at like the yeah, the program is pretty full, but, you know, I must say that uh, we don't view this as a one-and-done conference. We did oh, that in 2017 that. also. We see this as a uh, sort of a decade-long moonshot or human genome project kind of pro- uh, program uh, where we're looking for ways to uh, – the emerging science is coming. Uh, there's no question about it. The, co- the issue is that there are uh, regulatory and institutional obstacles to the easy translation of that to public health. So, for example, if you showed up at the FDA today and said, hey, look, I got pills to cure aging, they don't know what to do with that. So mm-hmm. we need to figure out how to uh, – the, the way they approach things is, well, do you have something for non-small cell lung cancer, uh, you know, following this kind of mechanism? And uh, what the science seems to be showing is that if we can go upstream enough, we can uh, influence a range of sequelae that could include – the prevention or delay of um, a number of chronic diseases. Another area that's an obstacle is uh, clinical trials. Under the current ways to demonstrate uh, valid results, if you're trying to show prevention, you're going to need 100,000 or a million patients or subjects and 10 years or 20 years, and no one's going to pay to run those kinds of studies. So we need to find out how we can do real-world evidence and pragmatic trials, large trials on the one end, and we have to figure out ways that we can do manageable trials that can uh, meet the, the, the criteria for the indications on the front end, the pre-approval end, for example, using biomarkers and other approaches. A third area that's an obstacle now is if you're a payer, what's your incentive to pay for an intervention today that's only going to pay off 30 years later when you're covered, is, uh, when you're, the insured is uh, – covered by some other payer. And so th- these are real structural problems, but they're not uh, uh, in- intractable problems if clever people from a range of uh, disciplines get together and brainstorm how to address them. And that's what we're trying to provoke here with, uh, with Metabesity. Um, Dr. Fleming is your chairman and founder. Um, when was your firm started? The firm Kinexum was founded in 2003. I uh, should t- say a little bit about Zan. Uh, he goes by the moniker Zan, Alexander Fleming. Uh, okay. he, he's a bit of uh, a regulatory rock star, a juxtaposition of words I never would have used before <laughs> coming to know Zan. But back in the day, he uh, led the medical reviews that resulted in the approval at the FDA of the first statin, lovastatin, as well as uh, oh, yeah. the first um, PPAR agonist, the first human analog, insulin analog, uh, the mm-hmm. first uh, growth hormone for non-GH deficiency conditions, and yep. for metformin, which is one of the most widely used diabetes uh, medicines today. So he's uh, uh, certainly made his contributions to the pharmacosia, and he's now uh, pretty much dedicated uh, his professional interest 
to this movement of uh, finding ways to prevent uh, and delay chronic uh, illnesses. Okay, so what what strikes me as um, I guess surprising is um, as I visit your Connexum site, um, did I pronounce it properly? Connexum, yes. That's okay. Um, you strike me more as a service provider helping people in um, product development, testing, getting to market. Yes. We are a strategic advisory firm on right. regulatory, clinical, CMC, and other translational aspects of life science product development. Right. So that's our day job. Uh, yes. We tend to specialize in tricky negotiations with or submissions to the FDA, due okay. diligence, strat uh, strategy design, and so forth. Uh, but a couple of our pro bono activities include, you know, producing or organizing these metabesity conferences. And right. we were the strategic advisor to the TAME trial, the targeting aging with, uh, with metformin that Nir Basilai and the American Federation for, for Aging Research, FR, uh, are organizing. And this was a negotiation with the FDA for an innovative primary endpoint, uh, where the primary endpoint, where if we can show that uh, metformin can delay any of a basket, a composite basket of uh, conditions or diseases, heart failure, uh, stroke, uh, cancer, etc., cetera, uh, by a period of time, then that's functionally sort of an anti-aging claim without having to make aging a disease for the FDA or without, you know, going and saying we can cure aging or anything like that. So if we can demonstrate that, that would constitute a regulatory pathway. And a third uh, pro bono activity that we're uh, uh, working on now with, with Afar and others is uh, seeking legislation uh, modeled after the Orphan Drug Act of 1983 and the uh, 21st Century Cures Act of 2016 uh, that would promote intervent the development of interventions, whether they're drug, device, or other, uh, that can uh, help extend healthy lifespan. The reason that I was a bit surprised is it's um, so in my uh, Time as chairman of the medical devices group, I've met a lot of people and many of them provide services similar, perhaps not as comprehensive as yours. Right. I know people help with regulatory and with quality and with this and with that. Yep, yep, yep. Never have I seen an organization like that be the lead of a, of a conference of this nature. I've seen things that are more self-promoting in nature but never something that seems as big as this initiative. Well, speaking frankly, I mean, this is a labor of love. This is very, very important to us. Uh, I, I would say that, you know, we're a strategic advisor. We're, we're a professional services firm, not that different from law firms or McKinsey right. or Bain Cap Boston Consulting Group. So we have, as uh, David Meister says, we share three objectives with uh, everybody else. Uh, one is to consistently delight clients. Uh, second is to provide uh, professional opportunities for growth uh, for our consultants. And third is to be, you know, achieve financial success for ourselves and for our consultants. We have an explicit fourth pillar uh, in what we want to do, which is to do our part to contribute to the translation arts into public health. And it's in that bucket that uh, we're conducting these uh, activities for metabesity and uh, for healthy longevity trials and uh, legislation. Okay, and I'm just looking now at some of your sponsors. I, I guess I'm surprised. How many, how many guests did you have in 2017? We had in 
grand total in the room, something on the order of 125. It was a very, is a great program if you look at it in terms yeah. of number of people in the room. It's a first conference, but it was not a lot. Uh, no, no, I get it. I, I've been doing right. my April 10x will be my 10th, and uh-huh. my high water mark is 200 guests. So I get it, and yeah. yep. more than ever. And in fact, I say this in, you know, whenever I'm interacting with someone who's considering attending my event, it's all about the interaction with the guests because, and I say this explicitly, I will teach you nothing at the conference that you could not, with enough due diligence and perseverance, find online. We're not going to, you know, blow the doors off an embargoed, you know, release that nobody (laughs) ever heard of. We're going to talk about things that are contemporary that people are discussing and our own take on it and what do you think and how can we this and that. And uh, much of that can be done virtually. So to get someone on a plane and in the room and blocking off and checking with managers and having a budget and all of those things, it, it uh, makes it more difficult to, to justify a conference. I say if you're you know coming to spread business cards, stay home. That's not this. I invite my friends to come, and we have a community. They come every year, and uh, yep. like to be part of that family. Come, and that is something you can't do virtually. Right. Um, so I'm all for smaller things. I loathe the terrific Javits Center walking the up and down the aisles of booths kind of format. I can so, tell you that it probably is good for you cardiovascularly, but uh, other than that, very nice. So who should attend Metabesity? Uh, I would say leaders and advisors involved in the future of healthcare, specifically those thinking about prevention and delay of illness and aging. Uh, I think that national and local health agencies and organizations, payers, providers, were interested in the prospect of improving lifespan uh, and also the trillions of dollars in healthcare cost savings uh, should be interested in the conference. Certainly scientists were involved in metabolic cancer, neurodegeneration, and dementia, cardiovascular and aging-related research, as well as clinical investigators and healthcare providers in those spaces. Uh, established drug, nutrition, medical device, and other companies want to keep up with the gold rush that's taking place among startups and their funders in healthy longevity, and startups and emerging companies that are developing pharmaceutical, digital health, nutrition, new business models, and other approaches to disease prevention and healthy aging, as well as their funders and investors, and maybe a couple other sets of folks as well. But uh, those would be the main ones we can think of. We are we have a couple of we have the director of the National Institute on Aging speaking. We have a director from the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute. Uh, and we'll have in the audience uh, the uh, director of the National Institute on Aging uh, Biology and various other folks uh, uh, attending. And uh, we know now that, for example, metabesity is going to take place in the middle of October. Two weeks or three weeks later, the National Institutes of Health or National Institute on Aging is holding its third annual Geroscience Summit. And a couple weeks after that, there's a major longevity summit in Europe. So I think that the sort of tying together of the tribe across various uh, continents has been a terrific uh, first step. It's not something that you can measure as a metric saying that we've now gotten three drugs approved or something like that. But I think that uh, our talking to each other about the various initiatives, I mean, for example, we know now that the U.S. is on, on some WAG's list, number nine amongst different countries in the development of 
healthy longevity development plan, national plans for uh, longevity plans. And we are hoping that we can uh, get the U.S. on a bipartisan basis, Congress, to uh, understand that we need to jump into the, to a benevolent arms race, shall we say, for achieving healthy longevity and its resultant health span dividend. That's a, a kind of an arms race that all of us can win. Uh, and so I would say that that's the stage we're at now, although by bringing together folks like you know, officials from the FDA and people who are in Teddy Roosevelt's arena actually doing uh, drug development and so forth, we are helping to pave the way for regulatory uh, pathway reimbursement uh, incentives, aligning reimbursement incentives, uh, working on clinical trial methodologies, etc. Thomas, I'm glad you reached out to me, and I'm too happy to share this with my audience. Regrettably, I believe I'm unavailable that weekend, but uh, I certainly hope those within earshot of this podcast make themselves available for Metabesity 2019, October 15 and 16 in Washington, D.C. Thomas, sir, thank you very much. Thanks very much, Joe.